Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. tuning in. This is Let's Talk About It with Janelle King on Extra 106.3 and this is where we discuss kitchen table topics that are banned from family gatherings but are absolutely necessary to have a strong republic. And I am one of those people who loves to go there. I like to talk about topics that people don't want to talk about. I feel like that's how you maintain a strong republic. It's how you maintain a strong country. And I don't think it can be done outside of having some of these difficult conversations. So some of y'all are probably going to think that this is a conspiracy theory conversation. And it's really not. It's really not. I have some information that I want to share, some things that are happening, some stuff that I think we all should know about. And I find it to be something that I think is going to be major in the next few years uh, because we're seeing a lot of changes happening around our food and we're not talking about it. And I really want to talk about it. So when I was on social media, you know, scrolling through like we all do on July, July 19th, the World Economic Forum made a post. They posted something on Instagram that I thought was interesting. And the caption read, cancer is now the leading cause of death for young adults in other upper middle income countries. And so they then went on to put a bunch of slides together. So if you saw the caption and if you go to the post, you'll see that there's a ton of slides that they have where they're just listing off all these data points. Like, for instance, they they have a slide that says that cancer for those age 18 to 39 is up 24 percent since 1990. They also mentioned that kidney cancers have shot up by 88 percent. They say that uh, colorectal cancers have risen to 70 And all of this data is coming from the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington School of Medicine. Now, it was analyzed by the Financial Times. So it's also they also went on to say that cancer is now the leading cause of death for young adults in upper middle income countries. Wow. I'm like, cancer is the leading cause of death for young people? Well, according to some Harvard scientists who set out to understand why this is happening, they said that their evidence points to changes in your early life. Keep that, put a pin in the term early life. I want you to keep that in mind, okay? So it said it's the changes in our early life within the past 75 years. So I guess they did some studies and they looked at these changes and they said that these changes are associated with nutrition, life lifestyle and environmental factors. Okay. Nutrition, lifestyle, environmental factors. And then they go on to show or share more data. Part of that data was that they stated that childhood obesity has risen tenfold in the past four decades. Put a pin right there. And then they also say that high sugar and high fat diets are, are affecting your immune system and, and causing your immune system to not be compromised. And it's not snuffing out cancers like it has in the past. They also say that there is other culprits such as chemicals, which 
they believe are um, they say that that's, that's leaching into our systems from food, chemicals, packaging, um, unclear health impacts and all these things. Right. From there, I understand they also said that one in three Americans now forget or, or I'm sorry, don't get enough sleep, which raises cancer risk to about 40 percent. In their world, it has a lot to do with a whole lot of stuff, right? And I actually agree. I do believe it has a lot to do with a lot of stuff. But what I don't understand is why we're not pointing at something that we did to ourselves. There's something that happened uh, a while back that um, we're going to talk about in this show because I believe that a lot of what we're dealing with right now has to do with um, what was introduced into our food, what was introduced into society that in order to to try to fix a problem that they felt the only way to fix it was to kind of tamper with our standard of eating as Americans. They created this American or this standard American diet that um, we all know and we've seen in the food pyramid. And now there's a lot of things that's coming out. There's a lot of stuff that was questioned even back then. And we're going to talk about that. But just to continue sharing what the World Economic Forum said before we go into that, they also said that um, alcohol consumption has risen over the past few decades. Well, I don't know about you, but I believe that COVID has a lot to do with that, too, um, in this in this decade, because people were just stuck at home in their basements and uh, the bar was just the only thing that was open. So, hey, people utilize it. Right. They followed up with some clarifying slides, which I put in air quotes, which for those of you who can't see it. And they said that it's not only cancer or non communicable diseases that have risen in similar rates, but they said that heart disease and diabetes has also risen. Early onset cancers are still uncommon, is what they're saying, even though they are alerting you and they want you to be alert, but it's uncommon. So just, you know, don't get too excited. But the rise could still pose a problem as it relates to costs for healthcare and healthcare systems and things like that. So they're saying that while we are causing this alarm because we believe this is something that may turn into something later. And then in conclusion, they said that some experts say that we should offer screenings at younger ages. So cancer screenings at younger ages. So I'm confused about this. I'm wondering, are we going to do like, are they saying that we should have um, like breast cancer screenings? I'm I'm just a little confused about what all this means, because if we're going to do this for younger people, I don't know. I don't know. Something's weird about that. And they said that they're educating doctors better on how they can be alert and they can look at the warning signs that may be found in younger people as it relates to these illnesses. But it also says we won't reduce cancer rates without addressing lifestyle and environmental factors that contribute to them. Amen. I agree. I totally agree with that 100%. I do think that there's a lot that we need to look at, we need to focus on, we need to make sure we're paying attention to, and a lot to digest in what I just said, no pun intended. Well, actually, maybe the pun is intended because we are talking about food. (laughs) But uh, I'm not a fan of the World Economic Forum. We could talk about that in another, a whole other uh, podcast or another radio show. I'm not a fan of the World Economic Forum. However, because of these posts and posts like this, It really gets me kind of involved in this process. And I feel like these big, big organizations, kind of like these umbrella organizations that's supposed to be responsible for us, supposed to help us make better decisions and do things better for our life. I sometimes feel like they are a master at supporting the problem and then presenting a solution. And in some cases, I almost believe that they create the problem that they are planning to fix 
Again, that's for another show. But let's let's think about what they're saying. So I want to focus in on some of the truths that they posted on their on their Instagram. They said that kidney cancers shot up by 88 percent, while colorectal cancers had risen by 70 percent and that childhood obesity has risen tenfold in the past four decades. If you listen to any of my other podcasts, when I talk about universal health care, when I talk about just food in general and our, our diet and what's happening, this is not something this is something that I've, I've talked about. I've talked about how I've seen so many child obesity and just um, so many children that are just overweight and unhealthy. And I know it has a lot to do with the fact that we're sitting more than being active. But I think there is another culprit and there's something else that we need to talk about that I really think that we need to take responsibility for as a country and as a as, as a society. So what is really going on with our health? I mean, are we being poisoned by the government? Because there are some people who believe that. There are a lot of people who believe that we are. And for those of you who are thinking that we're talking about a conspiracy theory, you're absolutely correct. We are. And the reason why we're talking about it is because all truths, everything that we are now discovering started with a conspiracy theory. We told you that COVID was being overhyped. Everyone said, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Nope, it was actually true. We looked at the data and it's actually true. We told you that... Um, we have some, some 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 significant concerns about the vaccine, and we're hearing more and more and more about that as we speak. People, particularly young people, are are having heart attacks while practicing. I mean, completely healthy individuals are having heart attacks out of nowhere, and we are just acting as if this is something that's normal and no one's explaining it. But we said that something was up with this, and I think that. The moment you stop questioning, you just start allowing things to just happen and we allow everything to come into our society. So everything, every conspiracy theory really is questioning. So let's just take that whole concept out of our head that was kind of placed in our mind, which says that we're not supposed to question things that look weird. But I think we are. And I'm going to keep questioning some things. And I have some questions because there's some stuff that's just not adding up when it comes to our food. The World Economic Forum is also trying to sell this message that the uptick that we're seeing in the U.S., that somehow it's really purely based on consumption. And I do think that consumption plays a major role. I think that that is exactly how the food gets into our bodies, right? So we agree. That's exactly what's happening. But what I'm not understanding is why I feel like our food is under attack. And I'm going to start with the food pyramid. I'm going to start with the food pyramid because I remember the food pyramid coming out and it and, and in, the, in the 90s. And I remember them pushing this, right? The food pyramid was a heavy carb, heavy carb focused. If you look at the pyramid at the bottom where it was like the most of the food was all carbs. It was like breads and 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 and, and carbs. And then the fruits and vegetables was kind of at the top in like the smaller portions. And then they suggested that drinking more milk would somehow make your bones stronger and your teeth stronger. Although there are studies that show the very little difference in bone and food and, and tooth problems between countries with high milk consumption versus those with low milk consumption. So where did that concept come from? Who was saying this? They also said that all fat wasn't good for you. Now, wait a minute. Something's really up with that, right? 
I, I have some questions and we're going to dive into this this food pyramid just a little bit more after the break because I want to make sure that we are talking about these things correctly. I want to make sure that we are paying attention to what's happening because this is where it started. And I'm going to tell you by the end of the show, you're going to know where I feel like it's ending up because there's some stuff that I found that is a little disturbing. And I just think, think you should be alert and aware because while we're chasing Hunter Biden, while we're chasing down Trump, while we're indicting and doing all this other craziness, there's other stuff that's happening. So please stay tuned. We're going to go to a quick break. A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. You're listening to to the show. This is Janelle King and you're listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King and I am so, so happy that you have joined me and we started off this conversation with me sharing some some information that I found on the World Economic Forum's website. Well, not their website, sorry. On their Instagram, which, I mean, our social media is pretty much our websites. And then I shared how they were kind of trying to take us in the direction of, it was showing how we've seen so many upticks in diseases. Like, for instance, I shared that they said that kidney cancer is shot up by 88 that colorectal cancer has risen by 70%, that childhood obesity is up by tenfold. And then they said that they're starting to see cancers in ages 15 to 39 up by 24% since 1990. Well, what happened in 1990? That's my question. What happened in 1990? There was something that took place in 1992. This is when the original food pyramid was created. It was in 1992 by the USDA, our United States Department of Agriculture. And some some doctors that were present during the development of this pyramid opposed it for many reasons. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that it was so heavy carb. And we were told that it was designed to provide guidelines for a balanced diet and healthy eating. Well, they said there was too many people who were malnourished. So malnourishment in America was like a huge, huge, huge issue. And they wanted to create a cheap option that is also non-perishable, portable, and then tastes good. So as a result, they created this diet using this pyramid. The issue I have with the standard American diet, and I got that name from a video I was watching and a, do- a scientist who was really studying this. And he said that, you know, the, the new diet here, it almost guarantees that we're going to lead to obesity if it's not unchecked. Because unless you're someone who is extremely active, who balances out your food, meaning that you're not doing too many carbs, but you're making sure that you're getting a lot of fruits and vegetables.
vegetables in and you're getting enough sleep and you're not drinking things you're not supposed to drink or eating things you're not supposed to eat, as long as you're that person, I think you'll be okay. You'll thrive. And there are a lot of us out here who are like that. However, majority of people are more caught up in taking care of their families. They're more caught up in working. They're more caught up in doing things that they feel is like 100% necessary in order to establish their own lives. They're not really paying attention to everything they're putting in their mouth. And then when you go to restaurants and you eat out, you really don't know either what's put in that food. The pyramid actually was an idea that came to answer a business problem. And a lot of people believe that this is because there was such a attack on grains around that time and carbs. And so people, people who were in the grain business, lobbyists kind of came to, excuse me, kind of came together and said, we want to push this. We want to market our stuff more so to, you know, to the market. So a lot of people believe that that's what, where this came from. I don't have 100% proof of that. So I'm not going to make that a fact. Okay. That's just an assumption, but they really wanted to ensure that everyone can eat. I really believe that evil is just a symptom or are the results of corrupted good. I think a lot of things start in good and then it turns into a mess. And as a result of them trying to make sure that everyone can eat, they place carbs at the top in the largest portion, or I'm sorry, at the bottom of the pyramid, in the largest portion of the pyramid. Fast forward to today, most of our high carb and junk food is located in the center of grocery stores, whereas you have unprocessed and healthier foods located either in the back and where you see produce or along the sides. And this is a major, major problem because I don't think enough people in America understand that carbs is sugar. It's glucose. And let me share a personal story. So I used to wake up and I would make a smoothie that pretty much consisted of spinach, you know, blueberries, some type of other fruit and um, maybe a little bit of honey or apple for sweetening, but whatever. I would make this a, a, a smoothie and then I would grab a bagel I tried to go to gluten-free, but at the time I wasn't. So I would get a bagel and then, you know, have that. And it was all, it was, I didn't realize what I was doing. And so I went to the doctor and I realized that after they did some testing, that I was showing signs of insulin resistance. And apparently this is something that a lot of people are showing signs of. And they wanted to put me on medication. And I said, I don't want to get on medication. I don't, I, I don't subscribe to that. I, I'm not against medication. Um, but at this point I'm healthy enough to where I think I can address this in a natural way. And that's what I did. So I asked her about some supplements. I was like, is there any supplements you can recommend? She recommended some supplements and then she also recommended a book. Now the book came because I started taking the supplements and I would get nauseous. So I, it just didn't work for me. So then I said, was there anything else that you, that's on a natural? And she said, well, go read this book called glucose revolution. I read the book and the book taught me how to eat. Basically, what it said was that you should always eat your fiber first and you eat your carbs last because you want to slow down the release of glucose or uh, I'm sorry, the release of insulin. So glucose is what, you know, speeds all that up. And you don't want to keep having an insulin spike or a glucose spike because you are eating in the wrong way. So I just changed the order of my food. I didn't necessarily change my diet at that time. I just changed the order of my food. And as a result, I was no longer insulin resistant. And I know that for a fact that that is happening for so many people. I know there are a lot of people who are who are really dealing with that. So now we have this food pyramid that told us that this new American diet is like is healthy when it's really not. I think a part of the food pyramid, they, they said that you could eat up to like 13 slices of bread. I mean, it was really insane in a day. All of that would lead to obesity. 
Now, what does this have to do with farming? It has a lot to do with that because when you take what took place in the 90s that I feel is the reason why we're here, right? Because remember what they said. Now, now the food pyramid was created in 1992 and it was pushed into our school systems. It was pushed into our society that this is how you're supposed to eat. And like I said, it was very carb and sugar focused. A lot of people felt like that was because if you need calories, if you're malnourished, it doesn't, your body doesn't really care where you get it from. You just have to get those calories, right? And a lot of times, you know, you need something that's more sustainable. You need something that will, that is non-perishable. And that's where a lot of our snacks and junk food and sugar comes in because sugar is a preservative. So that's why a lot of people said they were pushing that because they felt like this was a way to really address this issue. But like I said earlier, what they also found is that they said cancers in children, aged and young people, ages 15 to 39, is now up 24%. And they said since 1990. I can't help but think that part of that consumption that they're talking about is people consuming based on the food pyramid that was in all of our schools. It was in all of our lunchrooms and it was what we were feeding everyone. Everyone was just kind of on board with it. So fast forward to today and I'm seeing something that's really happening, right? So you would think that noticing that that would may, may have been a mistake would lead to our scientists, our doctors, our government to say, let's do something about it. Let's fix this. Let's change something, right? Well, no. Now I'm looking at the fact that, w- that the only option I think we have is to grow better food, right? To remove all of these requirements, to just grow better food, grow, grow cleaner food, as well as to make sure that we are paying attention to this. There's something happening with our farmland that is really concerning to me. Because now that I know that that's a bad way to eat, that the pyramid was wrong, I now am in, on this whole journey, and I've been on this journey for a long time, to fix and clean eat cleaner food and just kind of pay attention to that well i noticed that there's a farmland issue that we're having in the united states apparently farmland in the u.s has decreased by 31 million acres over a 20-year period so from 1992 to 2012 we've decreased as far as how much farmland we had by 31 million acres which is the equivalent size of New York State. And according to the American Farmland and Trust, they conducted a survey and they said that U.S. farmland and ranch land loss is revealing that the actual loss was about twice the previous documented land. So they're saying that there is a huge, huge, huge issue with our farmland. Now, I've talked about the fact that I've seen that there are um, that China has bought up a lot of land. Um, particularly farmland. And so there's a lot that's happening when it comes to our farmland. So now people are starting to grow their own fruits and vegetables. Great thing, right? I think it's great. I think that's a good idea, right? So, I mean, I have my own small garden and I enjoy it, um, but it's just a little garden. G- garden. It's nothing that's too, you know, too much. Just a little garden for me and my husband and my family. So as a result, we're lacking farmland. We're not eating healthy. You told us that we're all going to be sick if we eat according to the that food pyramid and what the government has told us to eat. And now we are limiting our ability to grow food. So that naturally leads to people to create their own either community gardens or their personal gardens and just really start taking control of this. Because if you don't have farmland, you the country will not sustain itself. I, and, and we're not going to rely on food coming from other countries as much as we should, as much as we have been. I think we need to really focus in on this. I started doing some research on the personal gardening and I came across this case. It was 
a gentleman by the name of Amos Miller versus the United States. Amos is an Amish farmer who runs a private membership association or a PMA. And basically, it's a legal way to be able to work around some of the government regulations when it comes to meat and dairy products. In other words, where the government said that you have to have certain things, certain pesticides, pesticides or you have to utilize certain uh, preservatives or whatever. However, the government says that you have to prepare your meat or process your meat and dairy. This farmer decided to start a private membership association, which is legal. There are apparently thousands of them. And what they do is they serve, they, 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 they have a bunch of people who have obtained a membership. And a part of that membership is to, um, they, they kind of buy shares in the, in, the, in, the, in the cows, they kind of buy shares in the meat and just whatever. And their shares are now divvied out. So now what happens is you're, you, you know, you're kind of paying into this membership. And then as a result, you get, you know, you get meat and dairy that's sent to you that comes from this farm. So this is these are people who um, said, I do not want the USDA restrictions on my food. That was a choice that they made. And I think that choice is most certainly their choice. In other words, I don't want any pesticides. I don't want preservatives. I don't want any of that other stuff. And that's OK. I, I'm the same way. I don't want all of that. I just want to eat regular food. <laughs> they want to eat the food that they want. And so, as I stated before, there are thousands of farmers that are currently working under this whole workaround that's allowing these people to be able to provide food directly to the consumers in the way that they want their food to be prepared. Well, the USDA didn't like that. And so they wanted to limit these growers. But the restrictions that they that 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 we have issues with. It's really impacting and harming small growers and small farmers. So that's why they wanted to create this workaround. And part of it is that they said, I don't want to have a state official on site while I am processing my meat and processing my dairy. Well, according to the USDA, I guess that's a restriction. You have to have somebody from the government on site that kind of represents the government that's overseeing all of this. Well, they were like, I don't need that when I'm selling to private individuals, and which is why this is legal, because the private individuals have said that they're totally fine with not having your involvement. They don't need it. They went as far as having him to stop selling. He couldn't sell anything. And from my understanding, I think they took his inventory and then they finally was able to, I guess he got, you know, got it back. The verdict came back. They were able to really release the food back to him. He can now continue to sell. There's no jail, no fees. But what was the point of this? And I'm going to put this, a video about this on my website, which is at allthingsjking.com. So you can go and get all the details on his case. But what were they really doing? Why were they stopping this? Hmm. It's interesting. Because he was what he was doing was perfectly legal. There's nothing wrong with that. And I have I have a, a, a I have the freedom to say when I do not want to eat food that is being processed a certain type of way. At least I thought I had that. Well, moving on past Amos and I'm still following all of that. But moving on, something else popped up after all of this. The USDA put out a, they have a, on their website this video, which I'm going to play in a few seconds. I want you to hear it. Um, but they have this video that is called, that, that's in reference to the People's Garden. The People's Garden. So listen to this and then tell me what you think. The simple act of planting a garden can have big impact. 
from building a more diverse and resilient local food system to empowering communities to address issues like nutrition access and climate change. The primary objective of the People's Garden is to offer models of urban agriculture. USDA People's Gardens demonstrate what can be done on a local, small scale while building community, growing nutritious food, promoting local, diverse, and resilient food systems, and cultivating green spaces for communities and the environment. We are now opening the People's Garden community to gardens nationwide, including school gardens, community gardens, urban farms, and small-scale agriculture projects in rural and urban areas. If your garden benefits the community, is a collaborative effort, incorporates conservation practices, and educates the public, sign it up as a People's Garden on the USDA website at www.usda.gov slash people's garden. So what I don't understand about all of this is that, okay, they claim that there's so many benefits. They claim that this is great for the government, for, for society, this is great for the environment, it's sustainable, it's all these great things. And if that is the case, and we're already seeing that our farmland is being bought up, we're already seeing that the previous diet is not good and that there are people who want to get off the hamster wheel. So then why are you asking me to register it? My issue is not with the USDA saying or encouraging people to have community gardens or personal gardens. That is not what I'm, I have an issue with. Yes, we should encourage people to do these things because I'm all for eating clean and eating healthy. But why are you asking me to register my community garden? Why not just encourage people to do it? Because this makes me feel weird. Because now I feel like you are wanting to track all of the personal gardens and, and all of the community gardens. For what reason? Okay. Now, that leads me to lab-grown meat. Because we're having all these issues all of a sudden when it comes to our country. I mean, when it comes to our food, when it comes to our growing, our agriculture, when it comes to just you know, farmland versus, you know, being at your community gardens versus gardens in general. Like we're having all these conversations about this and we're always, we're seeing all these issues that's happening. And then they introduce lab grown meat. Now I am not a fan of this because I just believe that you don't mess with the way things are intended. There are certain things that has already been tried. Like they've already tried to manipulate it and they've already tried new stuff. I mean, I remember when the 3d food was coming out of 3d printing and all that stuff. And you know, we have all these like kits and things that we're sending over to other countries to help deal with, um, with starvation. And so, I mean, we've gone through an evolution of coming up with all these new ideas to try to address this issue. But now here's the new one. It's lab-grown meat. And lab-grown meat is developed by animal cell culture. It's not done traditionally, so they're not raising and slaughtering any animals. And the production process involves four steps. They take the stem cells from the live animal, culturing them in bioreactors with nutrient-rich media. Don't know what that is and what is nutrient-rich media, especially I don't want you because you're the same people that told us that the food pyramid was healthy. But that wasn't necessarily the case. 
But anyway, they 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 so they, so they put them in these bioreactors with these nutrient rich media, whatever that is. Did then they differentiating the cells into muscles, fats, and connective tissue. So and then they take that and they use scaffolding to arrange the cells in a desired meat shape. Doesn't that sound weird? I'm like, so we're taking cells, we're putting them in these bioreactors, we're adding this nutrients, air quotes again, to it, and then we are shaping it to look like a drumstick. <laughs> I don't know, it's just something weird to me. Now, the first beef patty that was cultivated this way was in August 2013. It was introduced by Mark Post team at a university, I believe in Germany, and Around 60 startups aim to producing this lab-grown meat, including a variety of chicken, duck, seafood, kangaroo. I mean, it goes on. The list goes on. So this stuff is already happening. And my thing is, I don't even know, like, where's the regulation on that? I mean, do you have to tell us? I mean, is there something that you're going to put on the food on the packaging to tell me that this is lab-grown meat? Or am I just going to go in a grocery store, think I'm buying chicken that actually walked, and then I realize I'm just buying the cells that has this nutrient-rich. And you remember when they started adding, this is another issue. So bread. I found out that I have a sensitivity to gluten. And I don't have the disease like some, but I do have a reaction. And I feel bloated. I get really, I feel just really gassy. It's just not a good experience, especially for my husband. (laughs) But (laughs) I say all that to say that that was my reaction to gluten. And we tried something. I, we we went and got some Amish bread and uh, from Amish bakery. And I'm tasting it to see if I have that same reaction. And I don't think I do. I'm still in my testing phase, but I didn't immediately start feeling like a little bloated like I normally do when I eat gluten. And somebody said to me that a lot of this has to do with the fact that the back in the day when white bread was coming out, then they started doing this thing called enriched bread and they started adding these vitamins or adding this stuff to the bread. And a lot of people believe that that is what's really causing these issues. That it's not necessarily the gluten, but it's the enriching that's causing it. And it's safe to call, say that it's the gluten, and then we just remove the gluten, right? But some people are saying that's what it is. I don't know. I'm not 100% sure. But I'm wondering about that. And I'm kind of testing it in my own life. But back to this lab-grown meat. Some of the pros, they say, is that it improves animal welfare by reducing the need of raising and slaughtering animals. Okay, anytime there's too many animals we have to slaughter them so i don't i don't understand but anyway they're also saying that it improves food safety due to controlled lab environments and the potential for more sustainable um, production of protein okay but here are some of the cons the current process still still relies on stem cells from live animals some cultured media um, containing fetal bovine serum which is obtained from animal slaughterhouses so it's almost like you still have to slaughter them in order to get the cells and people are really concerned about how long like like the long-term co emissions and energy usage well that's more so you know the people that are more in the green space but they're really really concerned about this so we went from so many different places 
we started with the food pyramid. We started with how that was like kind of a major issue. And then we found ourselves in a position where we have obesity is that this is high in children, probably due to a high carb diet. We ha- now we're seeing insulin resistance showing up and particularly in younger people probably due to high carbs and excess sugars. And we're also seeing that there are a lot of stuff that's happening that is really impacting our health. Not to mention that our farmland is like dwindling, so we're not able to grow more food. And then they introduce lab-grown meat. It just feels like we're being pushed into a direction where, again, we're trying to fix a problem that we created. Well, after the break, I'm going to close... I'm going to close on just kind of my, my perspective on this. So please stay tuned. I, I want to cl- just kind of tie this all up and wrap it in a bow. So please stay tuned. You're listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King on Extra 106.3. And we'll be right back. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season. To let's talk about it with Janelle King. I'm Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. And I started off by sharing a IG post that was on the World Economic Forum that I kind of had some concerns about. They showed some data. And if you missed all of that, and I know you feel like, dang it, I missed the entire show, because you did. But I'm not going to hold that against you. I'm not going to hold it against you, because there's so many other ways that you can watch this show, or listen to this show, I rather. And... The best way is live every Saturday at 4 p.m. here on Extra 106.3. But then if you miss it, you can always follow up and listen to the whole entire thing. Once again, on the following Tuesday after the show airs, where it drops on my podcast, and you can go to my website, allthingsjking.com, to find out how to listen. So I talked about how the World Economic Forum is alerting us that they're seeing cancer on the rise between people in ages 15 to 39. They said it's up by 24 percent since 1990. I explained how and ni- what happened in 1990. Well, in 1992, the food pyramid was introduced and that pyramid was just god awful. Um, it was packed with carb focused and which means that it was basically telling you to eat sugar on top of sugar on top of sugar on top of sugar, which would naturally lead to obesity as well as insulin resistance as well as sugar actually feeds cancer there's a test that i saw that i found that um where they take glucose and if someone does uh, have cancer they kind of shoot glucose into you and because they know that the sugar is going to go straight to the cancer because it feeds on it grows it so i really really wanted to make sure that we talk about this because I feel like something weird is happening. We're, we have the World Economic Forum that's acknowledging that we are all unhealthy. 
that the country's unhealthy, and they're not acknowledging that it probably has something to do with this whole, with our, our, our standard American diet, which is associated with that food pyramid, which also said that we need to intake thousands and thousands more calories than necessary, as well as pump sugar into us. And then you take that and you add it to the fact that we're also seeing a decline in our... We're seeing a major decline, actually, in our um, food, like farmland and shortages. I mean, the farmland is being bought up. It's just it was decreasing. So we just don't have enough farmland here. So we're also seeing a lot of issues with that. And then when you have people who are trying to do the right thing that says, you know what, you're right. I think that something's really wrong. I don't want to. I think I think the pesticides, because that's something else the World Economic Forum mentioned. Right. So not to jump around, but something else that they mentioned was that chemicals were involved in the packaging and pesticides and all this other stuff that was helping to aid in this increase of diseases, not just cancer, but all even non-communicable diseases like heart disease and diabetes, cancer. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, kidney failure and all kinds of stuff. So they're, they're, they're saying that this is an issue. So then you have a Amish farmer, Amos Miller, who is part of thousands of other farmers who have decided that they were going to grow clean food and process food normally without any type of additional assistance, without any injections or antibiotics or anything else, which is against the USDA. However, if you're, as long as you're not selling it in a mass production to grocery stores and things like that, you can sell that to private citizens. It is absolutely legal. However, the USDA did not like that. So they came after him and I'm not attacking the entire USDA. I'm attacking this particular situation because I do believe that there are people that want to do good that are in these departments. But I believe that there's something that happens when lobbyists get involved, when businesses start getting involved, when the grain society starts saying, well, you people are not eating enough grains. So now we're going to throw out this raggedy pyramid that is now grain heavy and it's causing sickness, disease, and just harm. And I just believe that we've got to stay alert to what's happening. And so now, as a result of all of that, you have people who want to start their own community garden. We saw what happened with Amos, as I talked earlier. And like I said, you can go on my website and get the full scoop on that. But then you have people now that want to have their own gardens. And so the USDA comes with this bright idea where they ask you to register your garden. And I'm just trying to figure out why in the world do I need to register my garden? Why does it matter to the USDA if I'm growing food in my yard or in the community and if I'm sharing it with people with that, as long as I'm not using anything that's harmful and on top of all of that, People are able to make decisions for themselves. They're deciding that they want to purchase here. Everyone knows how to go to a grocery store. No one is confused about how to go get the food that is USDA approved. Like we are fully aware. So it just gets a little really, really weird to me. Why are we making it harder and harder for us to feed our families? I don't understand that. I feel like food is under attack. And I, I and I think that it has a lot to do with the fact that they want us eating this lab grown meat or they want us eating stuff that they want us to eat. But they got to understand that our skepticism is not built in anything other than the fact that we're realizing that what you told me was wrong and we want to do something different.
So how many times are we going to see small farmers come under fire because they're either not selling their farmland or they refuse to um, to to not to not give hand it over to register it um, because but they're found they found a way to really work around all of this so they can produce good, good stuff. So if this is you. And you are out there and you're like, I'm wondering about this. You know, I have a family member who has been trying to lose weight for a very long time. And I always felt like, you know, I don't think it's 100 percent just, you know, bad everything. I I always felt like there was something else there that was kind of making it difficult, making it really hard to actually lose weight. And now you can obviously do your research, pull out this stuff, go organic, whatever you you know, you can do make these decisions. I think that everyone should. I think we should pay attention to what we're putting in our mouth, what are we digesting. But that being said, I also think it's pretty interesting when you think about all that this encompasses. And I think we do have to make sure that we pay attention to what we're doing, but we also got to understand that there's something else that's going on and I just don't trust what's happening. I mentioned a book called Glucose Revolution. I want to recommend that to you. If you're someone who has been diagnosed with insulin issues or insulin resistance or whatever, please look at this book. It's called Glucose Revolution and read that book. Help. We, I think we need to uh, explain to people so they can understand why things are happening the way it's happening and what is happening. I think we need to make sure that people understand that there are ways to be in control of your health. There are ways to really, really do the research. There's another website called eatwild.com. It's called eatwild.com. Wild, W-I-L-D. And here you can find, you can just kind of let them know where you live and you can find local farms that are selling to you. And our farmers really need our help. So, you know, let's do that. I thank you for listening. I know this was really, really quick and I kind of gave you a whole bunch of information really fast, but I think it's necessary and I want to continue to pay attention to this and I want you to pay attention to it. What are we eating? What is happening? I'm going to put all of that information up on my website. Thank you so much once again for listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King. I am Janelle King and I will see you next time. And this is Extra 106.3. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. The fan is ready for brave season. Are you? 3-1 smoked high in the air, deep center field, and heading for the horizon. A home run by Olsen. We're streaming every game of the Braves 2024 season free on the 680 The Fan app. So make sure you download it now and don't miss a pitch of the Braves this season.